see the Lord. This is uh, Brother Julius Adiwumi, and uh, I'm going to go through the series of Bible teaching again. This time we are going to the Gospel of John. This is a very long chapter and it's going to be a series. So I pray that the Lord will give you that is listening understanding to comprehend what Apostle Paul, Apostle John was teaching us. Apostle John, according to the history, he lived for a long time after the persecution that killed Peter, James, uh, Peter and Paul in, the, in Rome, James was killed earlier on by Herod, but in the days of the Caesars, all the Christians were being persecuted in Rome in the first century. Peter and Paul and many of the believers were killed in Rome. Apostle John was also persecuted, according to the history, he, they couldn't kill him. And so he was finally exiled to the island of Patmos where he received the book of Revelation when the Lord visited him and gave him the book of Revelation. After that, the Bible said, or the, script, the story said, we read it from the earlier books, like the book of the Eusebius, wrote a book in the first century. And he said, Apostle John was uh, finally released, and according to the prophecy in the book of Revelation, I can point that to you later, God said, thou shalt prophesy again before many nations, before many kings. That was prophesying to Apostle John directly that he will be released from Isle of Patmos and he will be able to go back to the midst of the believers and preach. Prophesy me preach. Okay, so that happened because he, according to history, he was released finally many years in that exile and he was really came back to the midst of the brethren and talked to them and preached among them for a long time. But of course, some people thought maybe he disappeared, but according to the stories we read in the book of uh, Eusebius, which I have a copy of it, they said many people that lived around that time, they testified that they knew where I was finally buried among them somewhere in, uh, in the Gentile water in Corinth or somewhere, that he lived for a long time, which maybe 100 years, who knows. But that was Apostle John. So Apostle John was privileged to, to have, must have read what Matthew, Luke, and Mark wrote about the stories and the Testimonies of the life of Christ, which many of those gospel preachers like Apostle jo like Luke joined them later. He was following Paul. So he only had the second-hand story when they were relating it after Christ was resurrected. So, and then for us, they got many more stories from the stories that Mary, mother of Jesus, was able to relate during the time of the church started. So he wrote some of those. And Mark wrote mostly the, the, the miracles. And then Mark was, as a young man during the time Christ was crucified, he most likely was the one that was following them when they arrested the logical. He said, a young man that was, uh, that was clothed in white rib, in, in, in white, uh, rib, in white cloth, in the, in the night gown, so to speak, was the, the soldiers laid out on him and he ran and fled and left his, uh, his cover. So people believe that could be, a, that could be Mark because it looked like it was his father's house, his parents' house that the Benin were having a, the, the, the Last Supper, that looked like maybe it was his father's house, 
where they have an impasse with his teenager, but he wrote his own story like that. That people believe he must be talking about himself because there was no other reference to that ex experience by all the other apostles. So, but if he was the one that was trying to follow them when they were arresting Jesus, taking him away from the guy from the galley, and he was seeing what was going on, he came like a teenager will do, and it was already night time, so he covered himself with a with a with a gown, the garment, and the little hand. What do you want? And he ran away and left his his uh, his cover with them around him naked. <laughs> So that was what he wrote in Mark chapter, somewhere in Gospel, let me not refer to that right now. But now, Apostle Matthew, Matthew, we believe is Matthew the Apostle, which was formerly called Levi. So he wrote many of the other things that maybe perhaps as well. Mark copied some of those things also. But uh, you can see that Mark wrote many more. So, but after Mark, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have written down many past years that opposition read what they wrote and said, gee, they missed key points. So if you look through the Gospel of John, you see that the key points that he wrote, almost every miracle that he wrote was not referred to by any of the other Gospelers. It was the one that wrote about the, about the raising of, of Lazarus, which Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't even mention. It was the one that wrote about the Father, they wanted to make him king by force in John chapter 6, which Matthew, Mark, they refer to the baking of the bread, but they didn't mention that they were trying to make him king. You see, those were things, and he also wrote many things about what the Lord Jesus Christ meant when he said it, because he was more like this, we believe he was the one that was saying, the, the disciple that was always lying on the Lord Jesus Christ's breast, because he was perhaps younger than all the other apostles, so he was always the closest sitting next to the logical just said most love him so much. So that perhaps is what he meant each, each time he said he, the disciple that was leaning upon the breast of our Lord Jesus Christ who said, Master, who, who is this man that you are saying is going to betray you? So that we believe was the Apostle John. So Apostle John must have read all the other three gospels and he realized that they didn't report the most important key words. It was in the book of Gospel of John that he wrote about Christ saying, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. All the others were telling stories. He was telling, Apostle John was telling us what Christ said and what he meant. So that, and that's why Apostle, we always refer to people that when you want to read the Gospel, people that are born again, or that are giving their lives to Christ, start from the Gospel of John. Why? Because it tells who Jesus Christ is. From the Gospel of John chapter 1, which all the other just tell stories. He told them what Jesus Christ is, was from the beginning. So that is why it is very important to go through the Gospel of John and uh, teach from there, believing God that the Lord will give everyone that are listening insight, understanding, and after that we probably go to the Acts of the Apostles. Now, I'm going to start step, but this is teaching now. This is not preaching, this is teaching, that's why I gave you all this uh, background story. And I'm going to go through the Gospel of John chapter 1 and go verse by verse. I may just read it and then stop and bring some exposition or refer to some other Bible verses that will uh, give us some more, shed some more light in what we are trying to describe here. Okay, so Father, I pray Lord that you give understanding to all my viewers, whether on video on demand or audio on demand or on television, this teaching about Apostle John's gospel, which is very strong and deep. Amen. Let's go on. Gospel of, uh, the gospel according to St. John is what was written in the in the Holy Bible, which is called, which is actually we, we, we use King James Version, King James Version. 
it seems to be the oldest version and that is what we prefer to use in english and one of the other new versions that we describe some of these things in different words that does not really mean the, the strong meat that we want to co convey so let's start with we are reading king james version if you don't have king james version, just listen because you may be reading other versions that are described narrating this thing with a not almost look like it's not what we are not what we are reading so let's go from beginning say in the beginning that's verse one gospel of john chapter one verse one in the beginning was the word use the word word with capital w was written here and the word was with god so that word is not just the letters that you speak as a talking, it's talking about the word is like the name of a person capital w o r d like if I want to spell my name, I say Julius. I always try to put capital J. Not so. If your name is a uh, favor, I don't think you want to spell it as small letter F. A V O U R. You want to say capital F to mean it's a name, favor. So that is what I believe this first verse is saying. In the beginning was the word with capital W, as if it's a name of a person. And the word was with God. And the word was God. See, now you say, well, who is this? What is this word? Who is this word? It's not just the language that you are speaking that is referring to. It's referring to a spirit called the word. It's a spirit. Now let me bring you back to what I've talked talked about in some other sermons. In my language called the Yoruba language, the meaning of word which is the word that everybody speaks, is called ORO. O-R-O. It's a dot at the, at the bottom of the O. O-R-O. ORO. And that word, which we call ORO in Yoruba land, also, also means spirit. Because sometimes we say there's a spirit in the, in the palm tree. A spirit, which means invisible beings. So when we say aura, we actually sometimes could be referring to invisible beings that are living inside the tree or living inside the tree, which we actually we mean by spirits. Whether they are satanic spirits or angels, we call them spirits. So the word aura also means spirits in the Yoruba land. So when we read this, we are reading it with the meaning of a spirit. In the beginning was this spirit called word. And this word was with God. And the word was God. So Apostle John is right there is telling us that this spirit is God himself. Not a friend of God or a son personal with God, like if there are three people there, father, mother. That is not he says he himself is God. Not his it's not say one of one of the gods, it's God himself is the word. Which means God is his own word. What he said is him. Because he said that with the word I speak unto you, they are spirit. And their life. We go get to back get to that in the earlier in the next four chapters. But Apostle John, right from verse one, was telling us what he's trying to make us to see that in the beginning was the word, capital W, and the word was God. The word was with God, and the word was God. Not the word was one of the gods. Was God? God manifested. God speaking. God revealed Himself. That is the word. Revealed Himself. How will He reveal Himself by saying who He is? By telling us something, that's God manifesting, revealing himself as with the world. And verse 2 said, the same, the same world was in the beginning with God. Some people say, well, that means there are three people there. When God said, let us make man in our image, 
Yeah, we can people use that to say that means there are three personalities, but see, God already, already have angels that are living beings, animal team, before he even created this planet, before he created man. So in my own uh, understanding, when he said in Genesis chapter, let us make man, I don't think he's talking about the God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. No, he's God Almighty talking to the his servants that are around him. Because he said he just spoke, animals came to me, he just spoke this, but now he's going to do something different. Not just speaking and the animal come, or speaking the trees come, he wanted to do something more. So it's not just good to do, do it. You know, when you are a, even if you are an engineer and you're a designer, you have some people that are working with you. You decide and that we are going to do something. Not so. And you say, well, you think, people think it's God alone, there's no angels. No, there are angels already there. They are a, a principality that you already created that are serving him. So now he wants to do something that is not going to just be speaking it out. He wants to do something because he went into the, body, into the lower part of the earth according to what happened, David wrote in Psalm 139. He went to the lower part of the earth. Definitely there will be perhaps he has servants that are bring this, bring that, bring this, bring that. When anybody, an architect, building a building, even if he's just designing some paper, he has some people that will be serving him, working for him. So that is, God is saying, let us make man. He's now trying to do something new. So he's calling upon his servants, the angels that are going to participate. Those are the ones I believe he's referring to. So people will try to make use of that chapter 1 of Genesis and say, where God was talking to the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and as if there are three people there. But say it's one. He said, the beginning was the world. The world was with God. And the world was God. God himself is the world, not one of the gods. That's why Jesus Christ said, I and my father are the same person. That's what he meant. That's why the, apostles, the Jews wanted to kill him. Because when this thing was translated to English to us from Hebrew, there are many words. If I translate some English to even your language, you sometimes there are words you don't understand. You don't have the equivalent of that word in, in the language. I was trying to translate, trying to preach a sermon. And I called call my friend in, uh, in Nigeria, like, like, what will you call sheep under the, under the skin in, in uh, Yoruba language? He gave some description. I said, well, that doesn't look like sheep under the skin. I am I'm Yoruba, and I'm also speaking English. So there are some words that are you know, fabricated words in a language that you don't have a equivalent of it in your own local language. Don't you know that? Look at it. When you look at the mark of the beast, everybody in your own Bible, they call it mark of the beast. Not so. In English, it's called mark of the beast. So uh, Apostle John, they don't know what you call it a mark of the beast. But he said it looks like this, it looks like that, it looks like six, six, six mark of the beast. But they tried to translate it in other languages, just say army in Yoruba. So they are, but now if I now say it could be this sheep, this RFID, this sheep that is put on skin, so you don't have all the meaning for it, you have to just call it RFID in English and call it to your language and call it, it is called RFID sheep. See, you know, instead of trying to describe sheep, and I say, well, that's the only way you can, because there is no equivalent. What is the equivalent of computer in your language? You don't have the equivalent of computer. You'll be describing something that can do some mathematics, that can do addition. So we don't have equivalent. So that is what I'm trying to make you to see, that there are many words that we don't have equivalent for of it in English, when it was spoken in Hebrew or in Greek. And they translate it to English, so they look for the best, the best word they can use. And that best word may not really describe it, but the Holy Spirit can tell you what he meant. That's why we rely on the Holy Ghost to explain it to us. So when, uh, when Jesus Christ said, I and my father are one, 
And the Jews wanted to stone him for that. He said, I said, why are they trying to stone him? If we are thinking in English, you say, there's nothing wrong with what he said. I and my father are one. Because you can always say, our one means they just agree. We are friends. We never disagree. We never quarrel. Me and my father, we are one. But that's not what he translated to them when he spoke it. That's why they wanted to stone him. Nobody will say, you stone you because you say, you and your daddy, you, you agree always. No, they just think, well, that's you and your daddy. But he said, I and my father are the same person. Well, now that makes sense if they have said he's the same person. They say, what? You are the same person? That is why I'm saying sometimes they translate a, a word from one language to another language, it loses the meaning or softens the meaning. And we couldn't understand why they are reacting like that. So that's what I'm trying to make you to see. When Christ said, Ah, my father are one, he most likely in that language means, Ah, my father are the same person. That makes them to say, Let's stone him, he calling himself God. Also, that's the reaction. We get to that in John chapter 8. You see. So, what I'm trying to say then is, when we read all these things in the Bible, in the book of Genesis that said, God said, let us make man an image. People try to interpret to mean he's, he meant he's calling, talking to the Son and the, Holy, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. No, it's, God is one. See, the Lord our God is one God, one Lord. So it's not three. It's one Lord manifesting to us. When he came upon the earth, he's Son of God. When he's talking from heaven, he says he's the Father. Now he's in us, the Holy Spirit. So I will come unto you. I will come unto you. He said that let not your heart be trouble. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. It is the same spirit living in us right now as the Holy Ghost. So let's continue because that's deeper because that's like trying to make it to see that the Godhead is one. The Godhead is one. Not three people. Three personalities, three representations, three manifestations of the same God, the same spirit. That's why Hebrew, in the book of Hebrew, said it clearly. He said, Hebrew said, God was speaking to us through the fathers, through the prophets, but now he has spoken through his son, whom he has made heir of all things. So I say, well, is his son different from him? Just because I am my father are the same person. Now, let's go on to verse 3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made by who? By the word. He is still referring to the word of God that we said was with the Father, was with the God, and was God. All things were made by him. That's verse 3. Let me turn on my just a moment. And with all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4 says, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Now look at that. He said, All things were made by him. By the word of God. I was talking to somebody. Somebody said, well, God made Jesus, then Jesus made us. Jesus said, I am my father, I want. The same person. Not, not separate. But he said, when he put on a human flesh, he said, I am the son of God. But when he was talking in chapter 3, we get to that chapter 3, he told uh, Nicodemus, let me not jump around myself, because these are all deeper things. He told Nicodemus, he said, no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that descended, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. You see? The Son of Man in heaven, and that is referring to what Ezekiel saw on the throne, when the cherubims are flying everywhere, and then the, on the top of the cherubims was a platform, a throne. And he said that was the throne of God, and he said, who was sitting on the throne? The appearance of a man. You see, but fiery man, fiery man. So that is the Son of Man, which is in heaven. 
He said he came down upon here. So it is God. Ezekiel didn't say it was a son of God. He said it's God manifestation. So what you are saying there is this same God that came down, put on the flesh to be among us. That's what the Bible has been revealed to us. And Jesus Christ told them in the Gospel of John chapter 8 also. You know what? If you see the son of if you see the son of man, go back to the place where he was before. Well, many people believe that, but they are thinking it was just secondary to to God. But no, it's God manifesting the flesh. Not a big deal. Hallelujah. <coughs> All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ's light. That shined upon everyone that coming into the world. What was that meaning, really? When may, many scholars will tell you that when human beings were born here, we were born innocent. The little baby is born innocent. The light of God is all about him. He's innocent. Until he begins, that's why I said this is the light that lighted every man that comes into the world. That's the light of innocency, righteousness. Until that child begins to be educated in the world of sin. And he pick up sin, then the innocency is gone. The angels that are ministering to him, they withdraw. But everyone that is born into this world, and sent, God sent all of us into this world, one by one. All of us. An angel of God is, he said, the angel of this little one, behold the face of my father in heaven. So we have angels. But when the innocence is gone, after the age of accountability, whatever that age you be for individual person, when they know right and wrong and they begin to choose the wrong, then the innocence is gone. And then the angels withdraw. And then they have to come back and repent and be saved. And come back under the blood of Jesus Christ for forgiveness. So that is what the scripture has told us. Now, verse 6, Apostle John will begin to tell us the first one to five verses was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ as God manifested as the word and also the light, as the life of men. Where he said, In him was life. What is this life? Eternal life. And the life was the light of men. This eternal life is what is going to light men to make us to, to live forever. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness complained, you know, that is when it came. Shined in the darkness of this world, and the light, darkness complained. The darkness couldn't uphold him because he couldn't, they couldn't resist it. Also, like, comprehended it, not at least. The darkness is the world of sin. The darkness is the world of iniquity. The darkness is the world of sickness and diseases. When the light of God comes in the Lord Jesus Christ, the devil couldn't resist. The devil have to fall down. That's why they, they, they comprehended it, not. So, what is this? It's God manifested the flesh. So the devil was resisting, but he couldn't resist. He couldn't resist because the Lord God Almighty Himself is all that's manifesting, walking upon the earth in the tabernacle of flesh called the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in verse 6, let's continue. There was a man sent from God. Now, Apostle John, in this Gospel of chapter 1, he was going to talk, begin to tell the story of how John the Baptist first came to, to vindicate that the Messiah. He, he was going to point out who the Messiah is while he was while he was preaching. 
See, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's Apostle John. No, not Apostle John. That's John the Baptist. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. That all men through him, through John the Baptist, might believe. Believe what? Believe that that light is the Messiah. That's really what he's talking about. The Messiah that the Jews were waiting for. Even though they were not really sure what the Messiah was to do, they thought it was to take the kingdom of Israel as the son of David that the promise is going to come and rule the world. They thought that is what the Messiah will come and do when he, when he came upon the earth. But yeah, that will happen at the end, not now. But when he came as a, as a baby, he came to save mankind from their sins. But the Jews of that generation couldn't understand their scriptures that much. So even the prophet that said some of those things couldn't pinpoint where, which, which one is which. Because there are many references to the Messiah in the book of Psalms, in the prophecies of Isaiah, in the prophecies of all these other prophets. They were saying it here and saying it there. And many times, God showing them different time frame. And they couldn't figure out which time frame this meant. Or whether it is the same person that they were talking about. Remember, there was a point in the book of Isaiah that Isaiah said, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a, God, a, God, a son is given. The government shall be upon his soldier. His name shall be called Wonderful Mighty God. So they are talking about his son, his baby. Another place he said, I will give you a sign. A, a virgin shall bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So they wonder, is that another person? So you see, and the same prophet will point another place, and another place. So they were giving different scenarios of the same thing. Then another place said, I will, a prophet will be, I will send you a prophet. So they are saying, well, the other prophet that was Moses said will come. Is that different from the Messiah? You can see their confusion. And say over the centuries of the, of the life of the Hebrews, of the Israelites, they have all these prophecies coming from different prophets over the centuries. And they are comparing those things and the Kurum people that is talking about the same person or is talking about two different persons. So this one is a suffering servant of God. That is say he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace upon him and by his right we were healed. That looked like a suffering servant. Yeah, and then so they put in their own interpretation. Well, maybe he's talking about Israel. Israel has been suffering. Israel has been suffering. So they think it's the nation, not a person. So that's they say they, they say when you look at that Isaiah chapter 53, it's still talking about a person, not Israel as a nation. So that is their confusion. So by the time Jesus Christ came, some believe he's going to be a son of David. Some said he's going to just come from the sky. So when this one come from Galilee, they know his father and mother, and they said they know his father and his mother. So they couldn't believe this is the one because they thought this the, the message should come from the sky. See? So that's their confusion. And those who are loud mouth like that, they crucify him and say, No, this is a imposter. It's not the Messiah. Because the Messiah should come from the sky. When he comes, nobody will know where he comes from. But see, that was in the end. Where they will be seeing the mark on the sand. And as another prophet said, they will ask me, where, you, where is this mark come from? Where do you get this mark in your hand? You tell them, I got it from the house of my friends. That this is keeping that mark of the crucifixion till the end, until he manifests himself again and showed himself to the nation of Israel that will be saved, people that will be in that generation that he will come. 
when it comes to deliver them from the world Armageddon. So that is all of those things that have been prophesied. I was just telling you things that we already have preached in many places. But let's go on to this Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 6. Where Apostle John was telling us how John the Baptist was to bear witness that this man that he is baptizing is the one. Because they have all this confusion. Will he be the messiah for political messiah? Um, somewhere, they were looking for a political messiah in their generation. A political messiah means somebody that will deliver them from the Roman Empire. So they say, well, if he is the son of David that we are thinking is going to be king, where well, is going to save us from the Roman Empire? See? But Jesus Christ was not interested in saving them from the Roman Empire. But he was interested in saving mankind, not just the Jews, from sin. Because if we are free from sin, then God can defend us in every way. So Apostle John, in this letter of chapter 1, he said, This John the Baptist came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. But he said, he was not that light, at least John the Baptist was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9 said, that was the true light which lighted every man that coming into the world. That was what I referred to earlier the Lord Jesus Christ is the true light that lighted every man. That is the light we are talking of is light of righteousness. Light of innocence. The light that says, he says, I am the, the truth and the life. And that life, he says, is the light of men. So uh, light is the life of men. So everything is talking about when you say light, it is God is light. God is righteousness. God is holiness. God is light. That's what he said in another verse. And in, Christ, in God is no darkness at all. What is the darkness? All this unbelief is darkness. All sicknesses, they are darkness. All iniquity of all kinds is called darkness. Anything that is contrary to love is darkness. So that is really what light means. Light then means love, not so. The love of God be manifested. So verse 9 said, that was the true light, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true light, which lighted every man that coming into the world. I just explained that when every baby is born, we come innocent. Until somebody comes to the age of accountability and they begin to choose sin, then the light goes away from them. They are no more in communication with God, the Father, anymore. And that was when the, the angels withdraw until they repented and come under the blood of Jesus Christ and repented, then the angels come back. Verse 10, he was talking about this light, which is the Lord Jesus Christ we are talking about. He said, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And Jesus Christ came to this world, he created the world, and the world was made by him, but the world knew him not. Who are this world? He's not talking about the bricks and mortars and the stones. He's talking about human beings. Remember in the parable in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus Christ talked about the parable of the tears and the wheat. And he gave this story and said, the, the sower that sowed the, 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 the wheat on the field, and he interpreted that parable and said, the field is the world. And the one that is, the, the farmer that is sowing the seed is the son of man, referring to himself. Also. And that's why he said, John is saying, this Lord Jesus Christ was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. The world that he created did not know him. I was talking to somebody many years ago in a restaurant where, where I was, during lunchtime, I was working during that time 
in Nigeria, really. And this man, I was actually college, uh, college graduate then. Maybe I was actually working like an intern. And I went to this restaurant, and this man also was a maybe a graduate, and he has been working as an architect. He actually introduced himself as an architect, a little bit older than me. And we are eating. I sat with him on this, on this table. And while we are chatting, he said, you know something? He was telling me that, you know, this mighty five-story building or three-story that he was the one that architected it. I mean, he was an architect. Architect me that he drew the thing and then, and then the, the builders built it according to his design. Just to show that he, to prove, to point to me that he was an architect. I said, wow, that's interesting. And this building that you architects cannot even, don't even know you. Do they know you? Does that building know you? He said, no. Then I just pointed him to what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. But I was trying to lead this man to Christ. So we were discussing, discussing until he brought that topic up and said he architected that five-story building as an architect. Told me where he worked, that the buildings and he was the architect that designed it. I said, wow, that was for exactly the same thing. This building that you architected, it can't even remember who you are, you see. That was what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, what? I said, yeah, he was in this world. The world was made by him, but the world knew him not. And that was what Apostle John was referring to. And the man was dumbfounded and said, really? That's what the Bible is saying? I said, yes. And I led that man to Christ on that day. Why? Because he just saw it clearly that what he architected, that we are now eating inside that building, couldn't even recognize that he was the architect. I said, yeah. The world couldn't recognize that Jesus Christ made this world, and yet he came and visited the world that he created, and they did not know him. Even the human beings, that you have intelligence, they didn't know him. And they crucified him also. But it's for a purpose because God did all of those, planned those for our deliverance. Now, that's what, what that Bible was saying. He said he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not, verse 10. Now he said he came unto his own. Who are his own? The Jews, because he said he was born among the Jews. God specifically selected a, a tribe, a nation through which he will come. That was why he chose Abraham and said, through the, the whole world will be blessed. So God has a plan for the whole world. But over the, over the years after the Jews became nation, they were thinking it's only the Jews. So they were persecuting Apostle Paul for going to preach to the Gentiles. If you go back and read the book of Acts of Apostles, when Apostle, John, Apostle Paul was giving his own testimony, how the Lord manifested to him after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and told him that I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. They said, no way. They said, no way. They said, they said, away with this such a person. I mean, they didn't want Apostle Paul to go and be preaching to the Gentiles. Because they have their theology confused. They thought, hey, Israel is, God is for Israel. And so, not for the Gentiles. So, they didn't, they didn't believe that God was going to bring any gospel to the Gentiles. You see, God has a plan from the time, from the beginning. It's not just for Abraham's sons to Jacob. It's for the old world. Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God just lined up a, a nation. But Abraham has other sons, not so. Abraham has other sons. But God has in mind to save the whole world. But he chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and brought a nation through that line so that through that nation he will come himself as a human being. And then from that episode, he will save the whole world. That, is, that was the plan of God from the beginning. That was reported in the book of Genesis chapter 3 also. And that was what God planned. So, but those who do not understand the, the plan of God, 
they persecuted uh, the apostles that were preaching to the Gentiles. Now, let's continue in that chapter 1 of Gospel of John. Verse 11, that says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, verse 12 is very important. Says, but as many as received him, as received Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Anyone that received Jesus Christ and accepted him as Lord, he give you power to become sons of God. Now, he said, he give you power to become. Power to become. So, when we are born again, we receive that power. And we are to use that power to become sons of God. What do we mean by sons of God? We, are, we become sons of God when we come to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Because Christ was called a son of God because he came and demonstrated to mankind what a son of God should be. That is, the authority Christ was using upon the earth is saying that is what we human beings to control the elements. You walk upon this water, upon the lake. See? That is the power of the Son of God. He fed thousands with a few loaves of bread. That is the power of the Son of God. He called the dead back to life because death ought, dead, death ought not to be even on this planet in the first place. That is the power of the Son of God. So it is the power to become that is given to us, the Holy Spirit, and the born again experience that we can come and become sons of God when we come to the fullness of the search of Christ. And if you go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, 11, verse 11, 12, or 13, he said he put ministries in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for that purpose, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. We are to become perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that was the plan of God. The purpose of God is to bring us to become sons of God. So that's what Apostle John said in that John chapter 1 verse 20. As many as received him. When you receive Jesus Christ, why do you receive him? You accept him as your Lord. You believe in this gospel that he died for you on the cross. That's how you receive him. You confess it to your mouth that he died for you and he rose again for you and that you make him your Lord. Lord means your master is to lead your life, to lead, to guide your life from now on. You are going to obey him. When you receive him like that, you say you get this power. Born again experience. To become, you begin to use this power of the Holy Ghost that will begin to make you do the right thing, to make you think the right way, to make you walk the right walk. To please the Father. So when we please the Father and we become perfect, we become like Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So that's why it means by to become the sons of God. As many as receive Him, to them give Him power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe for the same. Somebody said, We are already sons of God when we are born again. This is how my, my, one of my friends put it this way. When you are born as a baby into a family, a father that has a wife and the wife gets back to a baby boy. Everybody was excited. We have a baby boy. That's a son of God or a son of that father. Of course, a son. But we are talking of maturity. When he became mature, that he can right now use all the authority of the father. He can take the father's car and drive. He knows what everything and we know what to do. That is now a mature son. So that is what we are talking about. When you are still a baby, that part has to be shame. You have to be under tutors. Even the servants will be spanking the baby boy if he pee in, in his clothes. Not so. Why? And yet he is the lord of those servants. If he is the heir of the, 
of the king. But he is not become son of that king by maturity yet. He is the heir to the throne. So what we are saying is that we, children of God, when we are born again, we are heir to the, of the Father. But the authority to, manage, to manifest this authority of Christ on earth, we don't have it here. We don't know how to use it. We don't know how to use it. He already gave it to us. But because we are still babies, we couldn't manifest it. We couldn't uh, exercise it. So that's why we are to grow to that maturity to become sons of God. That's why men, as many as receiving to them, give you power to become sons of God. Now let's go on. Verse 13. He said, We that are going to become sons of God, he said, We are born not of blood, not, not like we are born by the Father's flesh and blood. It's not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We are born of God, who is the Spirit. And the Word, it's coming back to the Word now, which is God Himself, was made flesh. Now it's coming back to the Word that is said in verse 1. I said, God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now this Word became flesh. See, now Christ came, the Word that was God the Father, who turned the woman flesh. Came among us. Verse 14. It, and the world was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. I'm going to explain that in a moment. Full of grace and truth. Now I'm going to explain that in the next few verses. John bear witness of him and Christ saying, This was he of whom I speak. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. That's in the book of Matthew. Verse 16. And of his fullness of all we received and grace for grace. That is when he says of his fullness, means he is he, overflowing. He has everything and it's overflowing. So out of his overflow, we are receiving grace. Verse 17. For the law, the law of Moses, was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Let me explain that to you. The law is telling you, you must not, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. That's all that the law says. Now, it didn't give us the power not to do those things. It just told us what you are not to do. Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Romans, explaining that he knew the law. When the law began to tell him not to do something, now he realized that in, in himself he is no power to not to do it. So now he's struggling with, with, within himself. Because sin was inside the human flesh that was making him to want to do exactly those things that he didn't want to do, even though he, though he knew the law that said, don't do this. Thing. But something inside him, which he calls sin, is pushing him to do it. Something that is trying to rule his life. And that is what sin is. But the law is what exposes it. Because you say, that shall not do this. And then you say, that, yeah, I want to stop, not do it. But you say, you have no part not to, stop, not to do it. You see? But he said, grace and truth came through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ didn't just tell you what not to do or what to do. He gave you the grace, that is the power to be able to fulfill what you want to do. To fulfill the law of God. That's what Apostle Paul meant when he said, Grace was given to us. We are preaching the grace of God. The grace does not say you should go and be committing those sins freely and then God is just forgiving you without any record. No. The grace says He has given some power inside you that now all those bad things, you, don't, you are no more interested in them. 
the power not to do them is in you now. You are not interested in them. That is the grace we are talking about. The truth is that this is what God says. This is the lifestyle God wants for me. But how can I do it? He gave you the grace to be able to do what God wants. So grace and truth came through our Lord Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses, telling them that this is what God said you should not do. And many of them are secretly doing it. Many of them are secretly doing it. Because there was no power inside human beings to stop those things. Especially when the devil is, that's like it's our addiction. Think of somebody that wanted to stop smoking. He's tried and tried and tried. Gee, he couldn't stop. And everybody is you know, laughing at him. He couldn't stop. It's not only really smoking. Any other vices that you get yourself into. But when you come to Christ, touch a button in you and you are free. He said, if the sun shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Then you are no more going to be interested in those bad things. Because you have been delivered. That is what grace meant. That it gave us some power inside us called born again experience. That you are no more interested in those bad stuff. Which God already said, don't do, don't do, don't do. But with the law, mostly, that's why anybody that just wants to say, I must keep the law. You are, if you are forgetting that you have got to get Christ inside you to be able to keep those laws. If Christ is not inside you, you are doing it by your own strength, you will never make it. You will never make it. Why? Because there is no power in, your, in yourself to be able to keep those laws until you call on the Savior. That's why you call him Savior, Jesus Christ. And he comes into you and lives inside you. Then you have the power to become sons of God. You have the power to fulfill those laws. We get to that in some of these letters of Apostle Paul. Now, verse 17 is what I just read. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Verse 18 says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared. What does the bosom of the Father mean? That means he came from inside the Father. From inside. So if somebody that you, you gave birth to came from your, from your testes as a man or from the womb as a woman, that's called the bosom. It came out of you. That's what he mean by it came from the bosom of the Father. If I adopted this young man, and it's, it's then it didn't come from my bosom, I just make him my son. We, we all children that Christians right now, we are adopted by Christ to become sons of God and by adoption. But Christ came from the bosom of the Father. That is, he came from inside the Father God. From inside, that's what it means. Making the difference between we that are adopted and the one that came from the, from the belly of the Father, from the inside of the Father. That's why he has no earthly Father or not. Yenge just told me that the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and this baby that's going to be born will be called the Son of God. His God came into a human egg. God put on a human egg and came out alive. And that's why it makes a difference. Why he knew whom he was when he was touched. He said, Are you? I said, I know whom I am. You guys don't know me. We don't even know whom we were, you know. But we were somewhere before we came to the world. Do you know that? We human beings, we are spirits also. But we don't know where we come from. But God is dispensing spirits into the world. Dispensing spirits to the world. So when we came to this world, we forget everything where we were before. If anybody thought he remember, he most likely was hallucination. Or particles of this uh, occultic group that think they are coming from this this place to another place to another place 
which is false. But uh, Christ said, I know who I am, I know where I come from, and you know he's going back to that position. Because he came from the bosom of the Father into the world. That's what Apostle John was saying in verse 18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Now, verse 19. Now, I may have to break this song into pieces because it's a very long, a very long verse, very long chapter. Very long chapter. But we shall continue until we covered many sports that we continue in the next because this is going to be a series. It's not going to be something we finish in one hour. Even chapter one, we cannot finish in one hour because it's so deep and so full of uh, revelation. Let me stop this recording and I will continue in the next broadcast. Amen. God bless you.